Welcome to Chronic Combat Conversations, a live look at our best bets, picks, and predictions for every UFC event. With your hosts, TV Scouting MMA and Guru Scouting MMA, back once again for UFC Vegas 35, Giga Chikadze versus Edson Barbosa, your featherweight main event with also the tough finale between Brian Battle and Gilbert Urbina, Ricky Tercios and Brady Heidstad to figure out who will be the winners for season 29. Um, I, I heard a lot of flack online that nobody really liked this season. I, I don't know. I enjoyed it. Maybe I'm just easy to please. Yeah, I thought it was enjoyable. Maybe there was a little bit of a lack of like that extra drama around the edges. You know, I, I know Volkanovski and Ortega had some of their shit talking going back and forth, but you know, maybe maybe lack some of those physical confrontations and all that stuff that that you're used to seeing in the past. I to- I totally feel you on that. I, I really but- think that the show itself could like steal a couple pointers from like Survivor or something, and like have a little bit more of like the game show aspect to it. Like have them do random challenges or something. I know obviously it's mostly a, it's a training MMA show where you go to fight after. And there's like a lot of fighting in those, like whatever it is at two months that they're in the house. But I don't know, maybe like some more quote unquote entertainment value. Like uh, it just feels like a lot of ESPN filler for a lot of it. It's like, it's contained. It's just a contender series now on some level. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I think you, you do have it right in that regard. I think with ESPN doing more of the production and it's it's obviously different from a lot of the ultimate fighters that we've seen in the past. I remember, I mean, I haven't watched many myself and when we watched that first episode together, you know, I didn't think much of it, but you were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like this is like kind of totally different from how they used to do it. Yeah, definitely. It really was a super different show. Um, I still liked it. They had some good fighters, some good fights. Um you know, some good personalities, you know, Ricky Tercios, how could anybody hate that man? And he's like the cool, he's the funniest guy. He's so much fun, dude. And, and I think that there have been a lot of personalities that we've come to really enjoy. And now that like, I feel like social media has become like super prevalent recently, especially. And, and uh, it, it's been fun trying to go and follow these guys now and see what they're up to. And now that we've gotten to the finale episode, which, you know, is kind of a, a regular fight night at this point. Um, yeah, I guess a lot has changed for the ultimate fighter, but uh, I'm pretty excited to break down this card. I feel like with, with a lot of the Ultimate Fighter fights near the top, we have a lot of prelim fights that are that are super juicy here, huh? Definitely some interesting spots. So uh, I'm definitely looking forward to breaking them down. Definitely. So uh, let's get right down to it. Uh, we're going to hop right in. We got kicking off the card. We got uh, Mano Martinez versus Guido Canetti. And uh, you're seeing here now, uh, we're giving you a little bit of a visual effect here. Uh, we're bringing up UFC stats, something that it's probably one of the, the biggest things that we enjoy using uh, when we're researching for fights and, and taking a look at like the details of how stuff happened from striking numbers, grappling. Um, yeah, so we're excited to share some of that with you. So you'll be able to see a little bit of the height and reach as we go along if you're following along on YouTube here. Um, Manu Mar- Martinez is making his UFC debut. Versus Guido Canetti, who, uh, you know, he's had a little bit of experience, one, fighting in the UFC, and two, getting finished in the UFC, suffering <laughs> four four losses, uh, one by knockout, three by submission. And, uh, you know, his two wins have come by decision, uh, but really not against the best of names. So it, it seems like they're setting up Martinez in his debut fight. It, it, what, what are you thinking here? Um, there were a lot of uh, interesting things that, that kind of came out in this fight, most of which 
on the the Guido side or the Guido side, I forget how to pronounce his name. Um, decent amount of layoff, right? He hasn't fought since the since before COVID that Adesanya Romero card, where like you said, he got finished in the first round by uh, Denal Bakaril. He's a Dana White contender series. Uh, Lana Martinez, I should say, is a Dana White contender series loser. He lost to Draco Rodriguez, who we just saw again lose a week or two ago. Um, he looked pretty not great to Vince Morales. Um, Mana had followed up that that Dana White contender series loss with two round one one minute knockouts um, to get himself this shot back in the UFC. Um, so, you know, you, you kind of would have liked to have seen maybe a little bit more time, like to, you know, s- you know, really continue to hone in his skills to show what he's been fixing. But I mean, you're taking out the trash. I mean, you gotta, you gotta do the job. So he did the damn thing and he earned himself a shot here. Um, one of the things I found interesting about Gita is obviously again, his long layoff, he's 41 years old. He seems to throw everything into his strikes, smashing leg kicks. He keeps his hands super low, which is how he got stunned by Bakaril in the first place. And um, I didn't get to do as much tape on him as I wanted to, but like I watched the Hugo Viana fight, which is was his first UFC win. Really weird situation for for Gita because he lo- he was a the Latin American Ultimate Fighter person, lost all lost both of his season fights and then got a third fight in the finale and lost that fight too and somehow ended up with a fourth fight which he won by unanimous decision but it was a really close fight and then when i went and looked at mmadecisions.com 53 percent gave the decision the other way and the media members are split evenly so I don't really know. He's just a weird. It's just a weird fight, and he's a he won that fight as a plus four fifty underdog. So he's just he's got somewhat of a history of like whatever pulling off the crazy upset as a huge underdog. But at forty one years old, I I, I don't know. I, I probably just really took a, the the scenic route to end up exactly where you are. I I do. I think that Monik should and could get the knockout here. But, uh, you would imagine he could get the finish, right? I mean, all of his wins in his career, Martinez, have come by knockout. Yeah. And Kennedy, he does have that knockout loss to Bakaril, but I will say he got cracked a whole bunch of times in that fight. Um, there were at least three or four times where Bakaril connects on like a cross or or like a hook, and, and you're just like, oh, is that? Uh, and, you know, he stays on his feet. And Kennedy actually lands a few hard leg kicks. He lands a couple good shots of his own. And it makes me think that, like, you know, maybe – we're sleeping a little bit on Kennedy here because he does have the experience and Martinez, you know, he, he showed a lot of inexperience getting triangle choked on contender series. Uh, yeah. He had a lot of ways to get out of that and just locked himself in, picked up Draco, held him there. Didn't really know what to yeah, do. Didn't sleep. He didn't slam him. He didn't shake him. It was a really no. weird situation. Um, it made me feel uncomfortable with his fight IQ. So, agreed. I mean, I, I really don't think that, you know, when you're looking at this fight and, and damn, I, I mean, it, it really seems like if anything, I would want to put um, a, a bet on Kennedy as the underdog, just on like principle of like a guy making value, his debut. You're right, like plus two twenty five. Eh, but well, we talk about that. But stay there's away. No val- there's, there's, no, there's no value in a losing ticket. 
I so completely what I agree. Actually, what I think I do like, I mean, they have Mana Martinez by KO at plus 100. So that is kind of interesting. And because um, I, I feel like by fight day that that, that will not be, uh, it'll be minus money. It won't be plus anymore. I agree with and that. Then, yeah. You know what? That's interesting. Because then my other thought was betting the fight not to go the distance or whatever, which is chalked up at minus 210. So, hmm. I think you're right either way, essentially. I mean, realistically, we're looking at a knockout for Mano Martinez. It's just like, can he stay composed and and show that, you know, he can he has that sick left hook that he's gotten a bunch of knockouts with on the regional scene. And uh, he landed on Draco early. Um, he just has to stick to the game plan and not let Kennedy overwhelm him. He has a four inch height advantage and and a two inch reach advantage. So Martinez should have all the tools he needs physically to make this happen. But I don't trust him enough to make him a parlay piece or even really want to bet him heavy. But if you're going to do anything, I totally agree that knockout for him at plus money. Um, yeah, if there's anything to fire away on a little play on that would be something. Yeah, that or not that Martinez has any wins by sub. I have no idea what his jujitsu credentials are. But if you want it to be crazy, you could just take Martinez by finish at minus 140. Mm. Because obviously this guy is prone to being subbed. You'd hate yeah. to see some weird club and sub situation. Or he gets his first career win by sub. It did, although you did see some of his jujitsu in the Draco fight where obviously he was an idiot and got triangle choked. But he like, I don't know, he had showed some aspect of knowing what he was doing before that point. I, I really I really think that whole performance was like nerves for him. Like he was I getting agree. he was getting tagged by Draco to start off the the striking. It was just weird. He was like trying to psych himself into it, I felt. Um, <laughs> a lot of talking about this fight. We should probably move on. I agree. Let's let's get on to one that uh is between a couple of Pretty good up-and-coming prospects here. You got a featherweight bout between Jamal Emers and Pat Sabatini. Sabatini just recently made his debut over Tristan Connolly, uh, grinding out a decision win where the third round, you know, was a little bit sketchy there. Uh, and Jamal Emers, he's uh, he's shown in uh, his UFC career that he's not afraid to go to the decision. And with eight decision wins in his career, you know, out of 18 total fights, you know, that shows that this is a guy that might not pack the biggest finishing ability. Because on the regional scene, you really like to see a guy get a lot more finishes. And, you know, it might tell you Emerson has some good cardio. You could trust him to, you know, go the distance and not completely gas out. And uh, he comes in a two-inch height advantage, four-inch reach advantage. So you would hope, you know, Emerson here, he does have some good output. Um, and his striking accuracy is very good compared to what he opponent, his opponents land. Uh, he's at 6% better. So I, I do think that Emerson should be able to use his height and reach to, to kind of keep Sabatini at distance and he does have the wrestling chops to deal with uh with Sabatini should he try to go there at least make it difficult not let the initial entry happen and and Sabatini showed that he will gas out um he works through it but uh it's something to keep an eye on I'd say I agree this this fight is got sketch city written all over it um I think the best bet is a chalky fight to go the distance at minus 215 I really do think that this fight does go the distance. Um, what fight was I watching? It was the Jamal Emmers Vince Cachero fight. I mean, Jamal Emmers lands 103 strikes. He's for 52% accuracy. Great. It was a nice performance. Vince Cachero looked like he I, like was fighting, you know, with the boppers. The remember those 
bopper you know what i'm talking that's about? right yeah sock and boppers like, yeah. yeah sock and bop like that's how he looked although them shits hurt like you used to get like concussion from your friends using those things bro but, it was more fun than a pillow fight it, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, it was more, but all right so my my point was is that vince cachero looked like he'd been getting punched by the the, the boppum sockers by jamal Evers. like he had no damage on him at all and talk about gassing out in that third round like he Vince Cachero was starting to stuff takedowns and, and, you know, cage fight, you know, fight against a cage and start trying to reverse position. Like both of these guys kind of gas out in the third, as you saw Pat Sabatini drop that third round to Tristan Connolly after looking, you know, whatever it was almost like 10 minutes of control time for the first few rounds. Yeah. Um, I'd love to point out. So if you guys are following along, I just pulled up here the round by round breakdown of striking and, that's the only round that Cachero stuffed takedowns, like you said, two out of four for Emmers, whereas he went three for three in the first two rounds. Um, so, he, yeah, a lot of lay and pray, it looks like. Yeah, listen, I, I just don't think that – I don't think Emmers' offensive wrestling, which he seems to use a lot of at 2.9 takedowns average for 15, I, I don't know that he's going to be able to use it versus Pat. I don't know that you want to lay on top of Pat because Pat has such such an active guard. I remember studying that from uh, watching his, you know, leading up to his debut versus Tristan Connolly. He is such an active guard. So you don't want to just lay on top of him. I do think that the, the wrestling is going to negate here. And I think it's going to stand like a mostly striking battle. And, uh, you know, we, we do know that, Emmers has the physical tools with the four inch reach advantage and the two inch height advantage, like you said. Um, but I, I'm just, I'm just not convinced. Uh, I'm very, I'm very apprehensive on both sides. Um, I came in wanting to play the dog, uh, short, short, short side dog, at, you know, plus one thirty there, but uh, I don't think I can do it. So um, unless I see something at weigh-ins or you know something really jumps out at me over the next couple of days. I think the the really the only bet is the fight to go the distance. I like that. Um, I, I feel like we started talking about these bets where they give you a few different options when you start looking at um, you know, on DraftKings they started offering like uh, you know, like a split or majority decision, and you know, I could totally see this just being a little bit of a sketchy. Like, do you trust the grab? I feel like Sabatini is going to try to force his grappling more than Emmers will. Uh, if I had to take a guess about the game plan just to make up for his height and reach disadvantage. So in that case, like I do think Emmers is, you know, going to be held at times. How do the judges see it? Maybe a split decision plus 550 for Emmers uh, to keep it light because I don't have a huge play on this fight, but I think that that could be interesting. Yeah. I, one of the things that I personally find interesting, um, the lines are very close, right? 160 might plus 130 right that's a close line but yeah. you look at but you look at and again the, the the vegas says at minus 210 minus 215 that this fight is going the distance right so we're all on the same page mm. jamal emmers by points plus 120 pat sabatini by points plus 280 that's mm. a major 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 discrepancy in wow. a fight that we're thinking that both guys are going to be hanging around in there you know, it's always interesting when you break down the line like that. I really like that because, uh, and actually you get a little more value on DraftKings plus 130 for Emmers by decision. If you just do that, uh, I f maybe don't even mess around with the stupid split decision idea. 
Um, I, I really like the way you looked into that because I just think Emers is going to land more volume in this fight and, and ultimately take a decision. Yeah, he should be able to. Uh, Pat Sabatini is, uh, I, I really, I think he's an unbelievable prospect. Obviously, I think they both are on some level. Um, so that's why this matchup is super interesting. I agree. Well, uh, let's move on to the next one. We got a, a short notice uh, debut here and moving up a weight class. So first off, you got JJ Aldrich. Um, she's, she was originally scheduled for this week. And uh, here comes Vanessa Demopoulos making her debut uh, coming up. That's it. Uh, off her loss on contender series to, to Corey McKenna. And uh, now now she gets to, to kind of show what she was working with. I think she was the favorite on that contender series fight, right? Uh, that's a good question. What, what, let's see. What did it say? It says she was a slight favorite versus Corey McKenna, which is a tough fight, you know, looking back now. Right. Um, and, uh, it, yeah, it, I, I think it was super tough to, you know, be put in here on short notice. I think the biggest thing when you take a look here is that Aldrich is three inches taller and has an eight-inch reach advantage. And uh, Aldrich has like a Taekwondo background, so she's got like pretty decent striking. In fact, if you remember, was actually hurting Macy Barber early before she turned it around on her. So it's like JJ Aldrich, you gotta figure like she just went the distance with Courtney Casey and won a tough split decision. You gotta figure that she's gonna be able to handle Demopolis making a short notice debut, moving up weight, right? That's my thought off the top. Um. Yeah. I. I. It's uh, I again, I really like Vanessa Demopoulos. I'm really happy for her that she gets the, the call up, you know, uh, that LFA women's division, you know what I'm saying? Like that, a lot, of, a lot of good girls come out of there, that and Invicta. Um, you know, she had that after losing the Dana White Contender Series fight, she had that absolute fucking war with Lupita Godinez, um, that she lost the majority decision to lose her. LFA championship um that, that that fight was fucking nuts um but again Lupita Godinez has not really had a good showing of herself since that win that she over Demopolis that got her into the UFC she had that really weird split decision loss to Jessica Penne and now she's booked to fight Sam Hughes in October hmm. um, I don't know weird yeah listen What's the line? The line? No, I don't know. You can't. Absolutely not. Absolutely. <laughs> That's yeah, exactly I, it. That's exactly you it. Cannot. You cannot. You can't. Even with your grandma's money, you cannot play JJ Aldridge at minus three seventy five. That's bonkers. It's yeah. just JJ Aldridge by points at minus one seventy. I'm sorry. Are we talking about JJ Aldridge or are we talking about uh, Kayla Harrison? Like what? Are, like what? What are we betting here? Like it's just an, it's just nuts. Yeah, if there was anything I would do on this fight, um, and I didn't get to watch, I didn't get to rewatch the Casey fight, so I don't even like that split decision. What did what did MMA decision say? Like, what did what did it actually re- look like? Like, was it? Yeah, like, I think Casey was. Yeah, Casey was hurting her on the feet a little bit, and Aldrich landed four takedowns and had like five or six minutes of control. So it just ended up being that Aldrich um, was able to like steal a couple rounds on scorecards by initiating the wrestling where Courtney Casey still at this point in her career hasn't so figured out how to stuff so, to take that. Just so we're clear, TB, um, I just pulled up MMA decisions. One MMA media member gave it to Aldridge. Everybody else gave it to Casey. 
Yeah, yeah, I remember having money on Casey and being very disappointed. I think but, I was on Aldrich and yeah. pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I mean, it, it from the stats, as you see here, just looking at that part of it, Casey threw a lot more strikes, and Aldrich landed nearly the same amount from a significant standpoint, but <laughs> at a much higher percentage. And she has nearly six minutes of control. Um, I could see why the judges might have been swayed, but I remember watching live and thinking I was very upset that Casey just couldn't stuff the takedown at the opportune time because she was hurting her on the feet for sure. So does Demopolis, you know, does Aldrich rely on her grappling against Demopolis? I, I really don't think so. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure you would that would be the right path to victory because she's gonna be the smaller fighter. That's and, what I'm saying. And, yeah, and Vanessa Demopoulos is uh, uh, a heavy strike. Like she's, she like I just, I follow her on Instagram. Like she's just so excited to be headed to the UFC. Like was opening up her bag today. Just like so happy and so excited and so ready for this challenge. And uh, she's just gonna come in like it's like who's gonna want it more? And uh, I have a hard time betting against Demopoulos. Like again, you give me you're giving me Aldridge a maybe how about you give me aldridge at minus 170 instead of aldridge by decision at minus 170 and we'll talk about it but i agree yeah. i agree i think this is a big adjustment to like the sajar eubanks fight where she was actually like a black belt jujitsu and like a big time wrestler but that's not the same case with aldridge i i just think that she's opportune with it so i i don't if you're going to do anything crazy, do like Aldridge by finish because you're getting like plus 400 for a knockout. If you think she's really going to overwhelm her you and just be like really crazy and stay away from this. fight. <laughs> yeah. No, ultimately, though, I'm not betting this fight. So let's move on, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So next one, we got a light heavyweight fight here. Dustin Jacoby versus Darren Stewart and Stewart now in his second appearance at light heavyweight made his last one on short notice against Eric Anders and. You know, now he's coming in against Dustin Jacoby, who hasn't shown, you know, the most impressive performances except uh, against Justin Ledette. I mean, his win against Max and Grishin, by the stats, he got dropped two times in that fight. And uh, Grishin also was able to control him, grapple him. And damn, and I know Jacoby's, you know, he's three inches taller. He's going to have a couple inches of reach here. But there's just something about him that that really really doesn't make me feel comfortable playing him as a minus 170 favorite against a guy that really could go out there and and put the the grappling pressure on. And let me put it to you this way, maybe this is the worst way to handicap fights ever. There's no way four fucking favorites are winning to start this card. It's I don't know why. I just I don't somebody's somebody's going to lose. One of them's going to whether it's JJ Aldridge, you know what I mean, like somebody's going to drop the ball. And it could very well be kind of like how we expected Chase Sherman, quote unquote, to win last week. It's like that. It, this seems like that kind of fight. You think somebody has the advantage so much somewhere with Justin Jacoby and his and his kickboxing, and then all of a sudden you get Darren Stewart, who's maybe not as tired, maybe through from a weight cut, maybe feels better, and then all of a sudden uses his wrestling, his you know one point five six takedowns, and starts you know laying on top. It's really not that much. Honestly, you know, 41% takedown accuracy, three, you know, basically three strikes landed per minute to Jacoby's four. Uh, Darren Stewart's nearly 10% less accurate on with his defense, his striking defense. And that's a major problem versus Jacoby. 
it just makes me nervous. Like if you, if I was to ask you, how do you see Dustin Jacoby winning this fight? You can kind of play out a clear path to victory in your head, right? Like distance striking, calf kicks, you know, setting up his kickboxing, stuffing the takedowns early and, and getting out of the clinch. But Darren Stewart, okay, so what's your path to victory for him? Yeah, lay and pray, wrestling, I guess. He's not going to outstrike yeah. anybody. Yeah, that's the thing is like even against, you know, a little bit of lower level of competition, you see Stewart having a tough time really being able to outpace someone from distance. I mean, really in, in all of his UFC fights – you know, the only ones where he's really outlanded somebody significantly were one against Duran Wynn, uh, two against Edmund Shabazian, which is actually super interesting because you remember how heavily Shabazian gassed. And then like Eric Spicely. So he he really hasn't shown that he can beat someone from distance consistently. So you're relying on Darren Stewart to show you a level of control and takedowns that you know, he hasn't really consistently shown in the past. So an extra 20 pounds, even if you're less drained from the weight cut, it's just more weight. Like, I don't know how his cardio is going to hold up. I agree. And yeah, I, uh, I really do think that it's probably the best idea to, to not, not go with the underdog here. In fact, I think what I would like to do for this fight, uh, the over two and a half is minus one sixty, and Dustin Jacoby to win by decision is plus one sixty five. So take whichever one you like a little bit better. I think Jacoby by decision. Um, I, I don't know. I, I maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just like uh, gun shy, gun scared. What, like I'm, maybe I'm just a pussy. How about will the fight go the distance? Yes, at minus one thirty six. You don't hmm. have to play it. You don't have to play aside. You can just kind of mm, minus one thirty six. That's solid. Count count the rounds. I like that because you know Stewart's got a great chin. Mm, yeah. Listen, I, you want to talk chalk? How about you just over two rounds? Fight to start round three at minus two fifteen. Hmm. You can just parlay that to something light. Like, like if you love somebody, like you could parlay that to like. Whatever you love, JJ Aldridge. You could parlay that to JJ Aldridge for a plus one. Like, not that that's what you want to fucking do, but right. But you know, uh, maybe that's... JJ Aldridge, your favorite fighter. Like, <laughs> you know, maybe like, uh, I mean, you do that. You literally, you know, I mean, you, you're almost at plus money there. That's at minus one seventeen. Hmm. Yeah, I, I guess overall, um, yeah, th- this still isn't one of the fights where I have my strongest plays, but I do really like it to go the distance. So uh, let, let's. Let's get along to our next fight here. Uh, we got uh, an old friend, uh, Sam Alvey, making his return against Wellington Terman, who I guess is the prodigy. Um, uh, let me just put it this way. I, I really don't think he's that impressive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boom. Uh, Wellington Terman allows opponents to land at a 57% clip while his, defense is, uh, while his accuracy is 42%. That's fucking terrible. That <laughs> that's that's fifteen percent less efficient than his opponent's striking. That's and he's giving up three inches of height and uh, three inches of reach and two inches of height against a southpaw striker and Sam Alvey. That um, th- this guy could really put it on you if if you can't finish him early, he's gonna make it a grind. He's gonna make it difficult. And you're telling me I get that guy at plus one ten and Wellington Terman, the prodigy, uh, is at minus one thirty. 
I think it should at least be even money. So uh, are you with me here on a dog shot? Yes. You, it's dog or pass. You Wellington Terman doesn't deserve anything. He deserves nothing. He should be like plus 150 to like fighting you. I, I don't even I, No, that's that's disrespectful. So yeah, I, yeah. No, no, no. Uh, listen, <laughs> Wellington Terman, you, you would knock me like out in 10 joke. seconds. Yes. Listen, we like to we like to joke, but, you know, these guys are professional athletes and, and they give it their all. Wellington Terman is only 25. So as much as we like to poop on him a little bit, like he's had this is his fifth UFC fight at only 25 years old. So um, it could very well be his last UFC fight, <laughs> but uh, it is his fifth one. I, I like I, I don't really like Sam Alvey here, but I just think that Sam Alvey is due for a win. Like he's had like he's fought. I don't know. I was going to say tough competition, but that would be a bold face lie. He's fought solid competition, better competition than Wellington Terman has faced. And if we just go based on the last couple fights, he had that really tough draw with Daun Jun um, at his, his last time at light heavyweight. And then everybody was gawking over him how good he looked on the scale at middleweight versus Julian Marquez until Marquez was able kind of like to weather the storm a little bit and sunk in that choke. Um, I, I, Wellington Terman is like not his last like his last submission win was, you know, not in the UFC. And even on the the uh, the amateurs, not the amateur, the regional scene, he was getting a lot of decision wins. So I don't know. I think this fight goes the distance, and I think Sam Alvey might be the uh, the only play. I agree with you, man. Uh, plus one ten, give it to me. Uh, if if you feel like you don't want to take a side here, fight not to go the distance minus one sixty five. I feel like that's kind of a good idea, just given that uh, Terman has shown that he could be finished. Alvey has shown that he could be finished, and if either guy gets to put on his pace, you know, Terman with the grappling or Alvey with the striking. One of them probably finds a finish in their realm. I just, I, I think it's Sam Alvey. And um, I'd rather just play the money line since they're giving me plus 110. Uh, I, it's as simple as that. Simple as that for me. I Listen, again, maybe I'm crazy. I don't, I don't think any, when was the last, Sam Alvey's last fight got finished by Julian Marquez, but otherwise he's a decision machine unless he's getting knocked out by Jimmy Crute or Antonio Rodrigo Nogueira. Like he literally decision, 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 decision. I, I think that why won't this fight go the distance? Who gets a finish here? Uh, I think Alvy could definitely knock him out. Uh, really? I think I think Andrew Sanchez knocked out Wellington Terman, and that should oh. tell you all you need to know. I, why? I mean, that's such a huge knock on Andrew Sanchez. He's not the worst. I don't. Well, I mean, yeah, he's he not was, the worst like wrestler, but he's not a power puncher. Like I think that's one of his only career knockouts, especially a standing KO. He it has, was like a straight right down the middle and boom. Just so we're clear, he has seven career pro knockouts. Uh, Andrew Sh- Sanchez, who's not on this card, and his only two losses in the UFC. Uh, actually, his only three losses in the UFC. Oh, fine. He guess he gets four. That's on the ultimate. He has four losses in the UFC. Mahak Muradov, who's really good, who we, you know, we'll we're get there covering today. Uh, Marvin Vittori, he lost him by decision. Uh, Ryan James, a third round knockout, and Anthony Smith, hmm. Anthony Lionheart Smith. So, you know, Andrew Sanchez, is he going to be fighting for the title? No, 
but uh, I, I wouldn't call him like some sort of trash trash can yeah all right so you know don't don't listen to me on the prop on this fight but uh if you want to listen to me we'll we'll go with the side here on sam <laughs> alvey <laughs> I, I i like sam alvey um are we calling him our dog of the day like, no no all right no he's not he's I, i'll say that he's definitely not my dog of the day just in the sense that like i'm not putting my normal dog of the day type of bet on him because he is sam alvey still at the end of the day you know what i mean <laughs> Like he's not he's not like that guy that you're like uh you know, I don't know. Uh maybe because especially later on this card, the type of guy that you think might be like your dog of the day type of potential. Uh, that line's kind of flipped for me. So um hmm. I guess by default this might technically be the dog of the day. Yeah, I don't I was looking at the other fights like there is there's nobody that I feel that confident about. And yeah, still, not yeah, I mean you're right. Still, Just I yeah. like I like this fight to go the distance at plus 106. Maybe I'll be an idiot when one of these guys turns the other one's lights off. But uh, I just I just think that they're going to settle in. Hmm. Neither of these guys push the pace. Neither of these guys are dangerous strikers. And bo- both of them are like, know what's at stake, like in terms of their careers. So I just think that they kind of like lots of tent like you know what I mean lots of tension and uh for them and and uh it was just an interesting thought like i was listening to somebody else talk about the main event for last week and it's like when when these fighters know that they're going to be setting up especially based on the matchup you have like when you're settling in like you just kind of like you settle in you know like you prepare to settle in and i think that these guys will like kind of settle in for a 15 minute fight Hmm. Maybe I mean, again, that could be again. It's fucking Wellington Terminal turn his lights off in in this first round, and will be the dumbest people ever. <laughs> no, I, I actually don't. Uh, I, I agree with the sentiment there. It makes more sense um, when you put it that way. And I really don't feel as confident on like the prop at this point. I would say, like like I said, if anything, uh, I think <laughs> yeah, that's probably our dog of the day. But um. This isn't one of those ones I'm recommending you you throw like a bunch of units on. Just yeah, so. like that Michael no. Chiesa dog of the day. You know that really good one that we really <laughs> like there. You know our, be- our best bet, best unit. <laughs> just just uh, bet your house on this one, Skeeter. Hey, listen, uh, we all make mistakes, right? <laughs> so uh, let's uh, let's move on to our next fight here. Um, this is also another short notice booking thrown together last second, huh? Um, Alessio de Chirico versus Abdul Razak Al Hassan. Both of these guys were kind of scheduled to face grapplers, and now it should be a striker's delay, right? Um, uh, I think striker's this delay? one could be fun. Hey, striker's delay, are you sure about that? Striker's yeah. delay, well, okay, all right, maybe not delay, but um, you know, it should be a fight on the feet, right? <laughs> um, I, I guess the way I see this going is uh al hassan is kind of back against the wall in this scenario but dishariko i mean this guy doesn't get knocked out uh he faced you know joaquin buckley showed that you know he was the one landing the head kick knockout uh dishariko his only loss in his career one submission and four decisions so al hassan a guy that has only ever won by round one knockout uh yeah, I mean, you can always land a knockout with four ounce gloves in, in MMA. That's certainly possible. But as far as being like a betting man in this scenario, it's 
I can totally see why they have Dishariko as the favorite, right? Uh, minus 240, maybe that's a little crazy. But as far as a method... Deserve, he doesn't deserve minus 235. But like you're saying, unless he gets the freak knockout, I don't know what what's there for him. Yeah, I, I mean, so the if you look at it, um, you know, kind of the way that you would... Uh, Fight to go the distance, yes, yes. plus one ten, one twelve, all plus one twelve on uh, Fanduel. On Fanduel, yeah. okay. Yep, that's that was what I was looking at. Kind of stupidly, I felt again. Um, no, but I mean, at that point, you might as well say Dushariko by decision plus one sixty five. Yeah, uh, yeah. Al Hassan is not winning a decision, right? So when we come back next week and Al Hassan won a decision, right? Then uh, fuck I, us, I, right? But <laughs> he's he not only is he going to win a decision, he's going to win a decision using his wrestling. His 0.5 takedown <laughs> average at 28%. That's what he's going to use to win yeah. this fight. We're calling it yeah. now. That's it. So, Just uh, call him Abdul Razak. <laughs> Abdul Razak Usman. Yes. That's it, man. And uh, th- that decision prep, uh, yeah, plus 650. And Sharico plus 165. So it really just shows you, like, they're saying that this fight is a two-outcome fight. Either Sharico wins decision plus 165. Or Al Hassan by knockout is plus three fifty. Yeah, what the fuck? Why is that plus? It's plus three ten on on Fanduel. That's mm, that makes me uncomfortable. That's like it's too high. We, That's his it. only method of victory. You have to hedge with that, right? Yeah, you have to put a sprinkle, like a tiny sprinkle, or stay away, or stay away. I, yeah, I mean, listen, I'm not betting a money line in this fight. And I'm not I'm betting not... the fight to go the distance anymore either, because that that dude's a tank. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're, yeah, and listen, we're knocking Al, Al Hassan, but like, okay, so he lost to Manir Lazez, who like that was like his hometown fight, right? Like that was a big deal for Manir and mm-hmm. put him on the map. Um, then he came out and looked terrible after that Manir. Chaos Williams, he got absolutely bombed by Chaos Williams. No shame in that. And then, you know. The enigma that is Jacob Balcoon. We had no idea. It was one of those fighters that we warn about. Like you, you look so, so, so bad in your your debut that you can't possibly look any worse. So he actually comes out and uses his wrestling because he's a wrestler. And Jacob Malcoon gas makes uh, Al Hassan gas, and he wins like a like a solid decision. Like Al Hassan wasn't even in the fight for a second. So I agree. Um, yeah, so again, I mean, I wouldn't. So now, so now, yeah. so now the so now the line is overreacting to that. Alessio is not going to have the the wrestling to keep Al Hassan at bay, and at you know three strikes, he's throwing less strikes per minute. The one thing that is interesting about Dichirico is his sixty two percent striking defense, but I don't know. Hmm. I guess he, I guess he hasn't really fought any fantastic strikers. Who has he fought that's an actually an accurate striker? Hmm. Who, yeah, who I guess. Who there is for their striking? Joaquin Buckley? No. Uh, no, okay. So he faced Muradov, lost by decision. Right. He faced Kevin Holland, lost by right. decision. Those are the and he also, he also faced Julian Marquez. Now, what I'm seeing here that's kind of interesting is he's actually not afraid to use his wrestling a little bit. Four takedowns against Marquez on the Ultimate Fighter finale. And he has two takedowns against Holland, you know, in a loss. But is that not something he might have seen on the scouting report? And he he actually might 
be looking to use that? You have to if you're gonna be fighting this guy. You can't. You're gonna just sit there and try to box this guy. He's he's got dynamite. That's what he wants you to do, huh? Right. So you know what? I, I think that the more we flesh this out, the clearer it is that this is a complete stay away from me. Yeah. I can see it on both sides, and there's no reason for me to play a go the distance and see a first round knockout or play a first round knockout and watch DiCherico win an easy decision with his wrestling. Like there's two ways this fight can go. And I think it's probably equally likely. So if you're going to say that Al Hassan knockout plus three fifty, and that's your prop. All right. You take a little sprinkle, but um, I think I'll just stay away. I'm waiting to see if something else happens. Let me see Al Hassan look terrible at weigh-ins or, Dietrico look all drawn out. Let's let's see what's up. I agree with that. And uh, let's see what's up with this next fight. Is this the biggest uh, spread on the betting line on the card, or is it is it the next fight after that? I mean, holy shit, Mahmoud Muradov versus Muradov versus Gerald Mearshart, GM three. Let's uh, let's get into some stats here. I think we actually have like a decent sample size on both these guys. So um, yeah, I mean, right off the bat. Muradov striking is just high level. He allows his opponents to land at 36% and he lands at 42%. So he's outlanding at a decent clip, but at the same time, because he's throwing much more output, he's landing five strikes to his opponents three. And you know, that that's extremely solid. And then you look at, you know, obviously he's not really a wrestler, but it shows a hundred percent takedown defense so far in the UFC. But um, yeah, I, I don't know if he's truly been tested in that regard, but I also don't know if Gerald Mearshart is necessarily the guy to test it. Um, that's going to be the game plan, right? I mean, if anything, Mearshart at plus 385, you need to get Muradov in the clinch here and uh, and get a takedown. You, you, you need to start going for the neck. That That's your path to victory if you're, if you're Mearshart, right? Yeah, and I'll be honest, I can't take... I mean, it's like, it's one of those fights, right? It's like, Muradov is either going to look like a minus 4,000 or he's going to make you regret parlaying him in every single one of your bets. So um, I don't know. Like, who has who is, who is Muradov fight that is really going to try to take him down? Who is Muradov fight that's like a jiu-jitsu guy like Gerald Mearshart is? Yeah, Nobody. we'll say like Andrew Sanchez went 0 for 2 on takedowns and only had 22 seconds of control in a fight that went into the third round. So I, th- I really do think that Muradov is extremely good at maintaining his distance, using his footwork and, and really just being solid all around as far as like de- defensively, um, you know, being safe. So I feel like the narrative specifically in this fight that I'm trying to fade here is that Mearshart is, is one chinny. And two, that Muradov is a knockout artist. Whereas, actually, if you look at Muradov, both of his knockouts in the UFC have come in the third round. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I just feel like he is someone that, that's gone you know, the distance five times in his career um, and going into the third round twice in the UFC. So, Mearshart... Um, you know, he has lost three knockouts, one submission, two decisions. He's absolutely not beyond getting starched. No. But um, Muradov, I do think, um, takes his time in that regard and really reads his opponent. So if there's going to be, like, a, a value play, maybe you don't do, like, 
go the distance or anything like that. But if you could say like Muradov and over one and a half is plus 120. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I just, that's a good way to get it to plus money. <sighs> I mean, if you want to be real crazy, I mean, like a little bit of what I was thinking is because like, if you look at the methods, knockout is minus 175. That's so fucking sketchy. Muradov by decision is plus 330. Yeah. I I feel like if there's anything, I'll, I'll do Muradov in the over one and a half and Muradov by decision, uh, both plus money. Um, if that, you know, but it, bro, it, he got great. knocked out by Ian Heinich in one minute. And I do think, uh, right. Well, Heinich came out and threw some heavy leg kicks immediately, just made Mearshart absolutely completely discombobulated. And, um, and yeah, I, I do think that Mearshart did go through it a little bit in a couple fights in a row. You know, Heinish, and then you have Shemaev. And... Right, but then he gets lucky versus Fabinski, who we all know didn't know how to. We were just talking about how that was one of your sub plays of the day because we know that that's true. all he does is get subbed. Well, that's why I – yeah, I don't like Mearshart to win this at all. Um, that that That's not yeah. <laughs> that's not my thought. And you know what? And you can't – you're right. This is that, You're right. This, the, but the problem what's, – what's Muradov in over half? Like over half a round. I can't – I don't trust it to go – into deep into the second right i guess i mean you you're really not crazy for saying that but it's minus 280 so you cut it in half yeah but no i'm not but i mean uh, yeah i mean realistically um you should have played this when he was like minus 300 at open or whatever if you wanted to like parlay him out but it's like i i'm willing to just be like all right they're they're showcasing muradov trying to get him closer to being a ranked fighter at this point and uh you know, maybe Mearshart has something to say about that, but I, that that's not where I'm going with it. No. <laughs> that's really not where I'm going with and it. We we love a good value play, but uh, no. Yeah. I just don't think Gerald has the offensive wrestling to take advantage of it because Murado's footwork will keep him safe. That That's that's my opinion. He should, listen, he should have the fight IQ. He should come in focus. This, this should be a softball for him. They, yeah. they really do like Muradov, right? He's the he's the Floyd Mayweather guy, right? Yes. Yeah, the money team. Yeah. Yes. So uh, there you go. I, oh, very interesting, by the way, how that goes. Uh, but, yeah, so that is pretty straight up for me in that regard. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely picking Muradov to win here. But, uh, yeah, find your value the best way you can and uh, be safe about it because it could get real sketchy. Um. In the first of our three Ultimate Fighter matchups, this one not really for any marbles, uh, we have Andre Petrosky versus Michael Gilmore. And and Gilmore made a, a short notice appearance on the show, correct? Yes, he did. So now you got to imagine this is a full training camp at this point, or at least he's on even standing with Petrosky as far as getting ready for the fight. Yeah, listen, they were training together in the tough gym for as long as Gilmore was in the house. Maybe, what is it, probably about half the time? Yeah. Uh, so I thought, hmm, you know, like Petrosky was like the hot name on the show. And what we learned from him on the show is that one, you know, the way he responds to adversity isn't the best. He takes a knee in the clinch and he starts saying it was a headbutt and calling out some bullshit. And they look at the replay and it's a fucking knee, you know, like that's some gamesmanship right there. That's interesting. And then and then he gasses out and then shoots lazily to a single and gives up his neck. So a guy that's really not known as a grappler coming into the ultimate fighter. 
So, and we'll get to him in a little bit. But so, yeah, Petrovsky really re- let down Team Ortega there as the number one pick. And now they're giving him like this little softball lob, like, hey, this other guy was on the Ultimate Fighter too. And, you know, he got, I, what was it, a submission or, or a knockout that happened early? But he got grapple fucked, right? And then, mm. so Petrovsky, yes, that is his path to victory. And, um, yeah, I'm not 100% sure. You know, he has three knockouts, two submissions, but it's it's grappling based. So Gilmore, he has three submission losses on his record. So, you know, just doing the quick MMA math. All right. Petrosky by submission at plus 110. But Petrosky by knockout at plus 225 isn't really far-fetched if he gets like a top control position. But if this fight gets out of the first round, all bets are off. I mean, we're talking about a young, inexperienced fighter. And Petrosky has a knockout loss on his record before he came on the Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, but it was to Aaron Jeffrey, who's an unbelievable prospect after winning that LFA fight, which was the headlining fight for that card. Mm. He then Aaron Jeffrey then goes on to headline for CFFC versus Colin Huckbody, and he wins that fight as well. And now we're going to see him next week on the Contender Series versus huh. KO Borallo. So keep your eye out for Aaron Jeffrey next week. I'm telling you, this kid is a fucking stud. Yeah, I mean, so realistically, it's Petrosky by sub, right? That that's yeah. what we're looking at. I mean, yeah, plus one ten. Listen, what I saw from Gilmore, man, and again, it wasn't much because I didn't do much deep tape on him. I was so unimpressed by his performance on the on Ultimate Fighter. I know he only had a couple days to get warmed up or whatever, but like, geez, it was it was not pretty. Um, so you know, they're giving him another chance here to redeem himself after they did that after he did them a favor. So I I respect that. But, uh, yeah, Petrovsky, you know, he kind of he, he got caught, gassed out. It's a tough situation. He sh- he's the more dominant fighter. He should, he should win. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, uh, I mean, seems it seems that one's pretty yeah, simple but, to break like, down, right? Listen, but listen, simply put, and again, this is probably the most boring part of the show on some level, like. We've said it a million times, though. Does this dude deserve minus 600? God fucking no. Doesn't matter. He could win it by knockout in the first second. He could beat Jorge Masvidal's record for quickest knockout. Like, it doesn't matter. He doesn't. It's it's not warranted here. So you, you can't play it. Totally agree, man. And I'll be honest with you. I'm staying away from all three of the Ultimate Fighter fights. So well, we will I'm talk not, about I'm them. Definitely not. Yeah, I just... um. Yeah, it's really tough for me to find a good spot on them. Uh, I but, disagree. Uh, well, well, we'll get into it more because there are there are a few leanings I have. Anyway, before we get to those, how about well, another crazy matchup? Yeah, this fight is it, night. right? Fight of the night. This is the one I've been looking forward to right here. Just, I mean, when I saw this got booked, holy shit. Listen, with some of the fucking Augusto Sakai headlining fucking fights that we've had, this fight should be a headliner. Yeah, dude. So Kevin Lee versus Daniel Rodriguez. Kevin Lee going back up to welterweight and uh yeah i mean this one this one could get real interesting i think this is a style style based matchup here uh rodriguez is an incredible boxer and he does have some jujitsu and and stuff in his back pocket but he's not looking to use that offensively um he's looking to box you up kickbox you i mean he's so impressive um his defense 
high level, but um, I will say he hasn't been beyond obviously getting clipped. Uh, like we saw him get dropped and and nearly get knocked out in uh in that you know that that fight where Tonyoni you know kind of let him go a little longer and then Dwight Grant you know then he gets knocked down and knocked out. So, but the thing about Daniel Rodriguez, you know, I even see in the Preston Parsons fight that. You know, Rodriguez, you know, did get caught like a little bit early, but he has the fortitude to get through it. And and that's what's impressive about Rodriguez. Great cardio and uh, and a really tough guy and and someone that's willing to put out the output. Kevin Lee, big time wrestler. I mean, three takedowns per 15 minutes, 3.21, 43% accuracy. That's elite. Um, you, you really can't put it any other way. And and when he faces a guy like Gregor Gillespie, who can match that wrestling, what does he do? He throws some combos and lands a head kick knockout. Super impressive. Kevin Lee is so talented. But Guru, if there's anyone that could tell you about Kevin Lee, I know it's you. So I fucking hate Kevin Lee. Listen, I'm sure he's a nice guy. I'd love to get a beer with him or something. Talk. Not that he wants to grab a beer with me. I don't. I've never liked Kevin Lee. He's always underachieved. He's uh, bounces around, man. I never can pick his fights right. Um, you know, just, uh, just, you know, I, I think I took him over Charles Oliveira was wrong. Took him, took Gregor Gillespie over him was wrong. Took Rafael Dos Anjos over him was wrong. I, I, uh, so whatever, I guess I pick in this fight, just fade me, I guess. Um, I, so what do you got guru? I need to know. <laughs> Listen, the, I'm very concerned about the weight still going up the extra 15 pounds for for Kevin Lee. I think that's it could be very very much be a problem for him. He's got suspect cardio, suspect fight IQ or or mental fortitude, whichever you want to call it. Um I it's hard to trust him to grapple fuck D-Rod like he should because He's a hothead because he'll get into a striking battle because he'll fall in love with his hands because he'll have a bad weight cut and get knocked. Like, I don't even, bro, like, it's just, you never know what you're fucking getting from Kevin Lee. And now he's got that ridiculous head tattoo after a long layoff, after crazy surgeries, after scheduling to fight Sean Brady twice, totally different matchup. You're supposed to fight a smaller guy. Now you're fighting a much bigger guy. You were going to fight like a, a wrestler grappler. Now you're fighting a, kickboxer boxer like you're it's so different it's weird weird fucking fight man kevin lee at his best should smother d-rod kevin lee on the ball should be able to get inside put him against the clinch take him down pound him down and even get a submission like rear naked choke in the second round like he should be able to manhandle d-rod based on experience based on skill based on everything that you should have all the intangibles the problem is is that we never know which kevin lee is showing up to fight um and we what we do know about d-rod is that that motherfucker shows up to fucking fight and he should be six and zero in the ufc he did not lose to nicholas dalby even though the judges said he did and yeah man i mean he's he's had an unbelievable start to his ufc career i guess it should be seven and oh right one two three four five no it's six this is a seventh fight um so i begrudgingly take kevin lee as the slight favorite 
Yeah, I mean, listen, if Kevin Lee's not coming off the surgeries and if Kevin Lee doesn't have, you know, that bad taste in a lot of people's mouths, Kevin Lee is minus 200 going into this fight in my mind. And again, bad taste in the mouth, bad taste in the mouth. He just lost to the fucking sitting champion last year. What are we, like, bad yeah. taste in the mouth? The dude's the lightweight goat, right? I mean, he's a fucking, he's got the belt. He's going to be fighting fucking Poirier for the belt. Like, yeah, like the dude's a, dude's a fucking savage. Yeah, I, and listen, Kevin Lee, for all the things you could say about him, he Which does. I said plenty. <laughs> yeah, said plenty, but he does look good early in his fights. That's that's mm. generally the trend is he looks good early. That's true. Then he loses in round three against Oliveira. He loses in round four against RDA. He loses a decision. I Quinta. How many times has this guy been scheduled for a five round fight? You know what I mean? Like he's been there. Oh wow. Kevin Lee is eleven and six in the UFC. And he's six years younger than Daniel Rodriguez. Kevin Lee, smash. That's my play of the day. Let's fucking go. Yeah, no, we're smashing that. You know what's actually crazy now that you even mentioned that? What the fuck? This is crazy. Holy shit. I didn't realize that. Why is nobody talking about that? You want to talk, talk about, about it. something? Talk to me. Three, five, wait, what? Okay. So one, two, three, four, five, not Gregor Gillespie. But six, six of his last seven fights were main events, five round fights. Boom. Like he's been here before, bro. This is a huge step down. I love D Rod. Daniel Rodriguez is one of my favorite fighters to watch. Favorite like guys like talking about his mushroom kicks. Like he's He's great, man. Like Daniel Rodriguez, he's the man. This is a big step up. If he wins this fight. I want to see D Rod moving way up the rankings. I want to see oh him getting God. some big opportunities, man. Dude, if, but if uh, he, if he yeah. beats Kevin Lee, he's renegotiating his contract. He's getting a fight of the night bonus. He's getting Abdi Abzelaziz is you know signing him, and you know it's about to be a whole fucking thing. The UFC will be the D Rod show if he wins, but I don't think he will. Kevin Lee minus 150. Book it. Let's got, go. Gotta take it. That's and what would this fight be if, like you said, if if maybe we weren't getting some bad taste in the Kevin Lee mouth? He should probably be a minus two hundred. You should be paying some sort of premium on him. And we should be trying to make the, the point to be taking D Rod at a at a good plus money price. Instead, we're looking at Kevin Lee as the as a as too slight of a favorite. So I right? agree, what man. Is, what's minus 150? What is, what is that an inherent value of? Like 60%? Less than 60%? What yeah, I mean, uh, minus 150, as I use my Rockstar Z odds mug over here, minus 150 is 60%. So, yeah, you're right. Wow, it's about si- genius. Yeah. Look at you. Yeah, yeah. so it's I'm saying, 60%. Six out of 10 times. He's got 60 out of 100 times he's got to win this fight. Uh, 65 times out of 100, I think he could win it. 70 out of 100? I think... Sure. How many times is D-Rod going to knock out Kevin Lee if they fight 10, 10 times? Maybe yeah. twice. Maybe twice. I agree, man. So, yeah, let's let's do it. Kevin yeah. Lee, I don't know how I got you talked into this. Yeah, but, uh, probably our play of the day. No? Like, isn't he our – is he not our best bet? I mean – I have maybe one other best bet for the main event, but not aside. <laughs> Let's try something out here for our uh, YouTube followers. Uh, we're gonna add a quick little, uh, quick little banner here. Just a little play of the day. 
across the bottom. Look at that. Look at that. Wow. We got we got a play of the day, huh? Shout out StreamYard for the uh, different. <laughs> yeah, we're having some fun here. We're learning tonight because let me tell you, uh, this is a new experience having some fun. But uh, if you guys have anything in the comment section on YouTube, you want to let us know something you want to see. Maybe yeah, I sure could show like you something. Yeah, give us a like, subscribe. Like, let us know how we're doing. We want to cater the show to you guys. You're the listeners. If you don't want to see UFC stats, and you want to see their topology pages. Let me know. I mean, I could load up whatever here, but I like seeing the stats myself. But hey, you guys, you guys are the ones listening. Let me know. Tell us in the comments. Let's get on to our next fight, huh? Uh, this is our first of the Ultimate Fighter finale fights. We have it in the bantamweight division to start. We always do our lighter weights first. We got Pretty Ricky Tercios versus. Bam, bam, Brady Highstand. And uh, this one should be a fun fight. Um, these guys match up extremely well in size. Uh, Brady is a lot younger, though. Right? His nickname is not Pretty Ricky. I mean, that's what they say here on UFC. I'm totally wrong about that, right? Yeah, it's Hadouken. Oh, that's right. Maybe oh. that Pretty in a different language, but... No, not at all. That That's like the, the Dragon Ball Z shit, right? Oh my god, I'm a fucking idiot. I don't ah! like Dragon Ball Z, everybody. Sorry. You're good. Not, I was, neither I was a Pokemon I. guy. Same. <laughs> <laughs> but, alright, so... I mean, just from watching the show and, and seeing like how they fight... Oh, really? Yes! Maybe Listen, maybe I was too impressed by Brady's first performance. Dude, I like fucking Brady, man. Brady mm. has like again. I I need to rewatch it and make sure. And again, maybe I'm overhyping this kid, but I saw decent striking, solid cardio, great heart, grit, and near like I don't want to say elite level because look who he's fighting. But like, I mean, like right, Andre Petrovsky was the wrestler to me. Brady was is just as good of a wrestler. I see him crashing forward not letting Ricky Tercios continue to walk around and take get shots off and mm. be unorthodox. You have to get in close to Ricky, push him up against the cage, cage, dump him down, put him on his ass. What is he going to do? Mm. You've seen Brady's unbelievable wrestling and ground and pound and relentlessness, right? In that third round with Joshua Reddinghouse, who's probably one of the better fighters on that show. I mean, Reddinghouse has an unbelievable tapology. Um, I, I don't know. I didn't. I was so shocked to see that Brady was the underdog, and I thought maybe it was because Ricky's a fan favorite. Uh, but dude, did you? Ricky got is getting clipped in both of those fights. Both wars fought two great guys, but I, I'm not. I'm not sold. And again, I love Ricky. I'd love to see him win. I think he still goes in the UFC even if he doesn't win this fight. But hmm. uh, I don't that's, know. I'm on Brady. That's actually super interesting because, you know, I was kind of feeling like at least one of the underdogs out of the Ultimate Fighter are going to win. And I will say I do kind of <laughs> I like Brady's like whole mindset and everything. And uh, his that's his mindset to how he sounds about the show, just his whole demeanor um, way 22 years old has the professional professionalism of a 32 year old i mean mm. he just uh i was really really impressed and again it could mean nothing maybe i'm taking way too much stock against this fight versus josh reddinghouse but man i was really impressed because his second fight was not as good as that reddinghouse fight 
Right. Like it wasn't as impressive. I don't believe. I don't. Well, I don't well, it was over. It was over Vince Murdoch, right? And right. he had an MCL injury, and he just kind of like crumpled. Right, and so, then he actually finished for, and he finished Vince. Too. Yeah, but it was like, but it was because Vince was hurt. So like that's yeah, kind of why I was like, Vince eh. was also hurt going into the fight. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. So it was like weird because he, we knew about it ahead of time, and then you see it happen, you're like, ah, uh, like that's how he made it to the finale, I, you know, like. Yeah, listen, but uh, listen. Ricky Ricky also had like a really well, that's tough how he made fight. it to the finale. How about Gilbert Urbina? How about how he made it to the finale? Yeah, Gore. But seriously, um, yeah, I love Ricky. Uh, I was really happy to see him win both fights. Love his personality. Honestly, wouldn't even be mad to see him win. But his dancing, striking that is is not even like that powerful. Mm. I don't I don't see it. I actually right like he was ta- Brady was tagging Reddinghouse like he had yeah. Reddinghouse hurt. I agree, I, and, I like and Brady. Ricky has shown you know that he doesn't have the best striking defense. He's been knocked out um, Bro, by Mano Martinez did, actually. Did you see him on the last episode face off against Brady? His face was fucking like he just got yeah. like he just got out of the hospital. Yeah, you know what? Polarized in. Fuck it. Is that our dog of the day? I was just thinking to myself that I'm boom hit it dog of the day. There it is. Boom. (laughs) Let's go. For some reason, I almost feel like more confident in Brady than Sam Alvey. No, I do. I do. That's why I just hit it, bro. I said I wasn't going to bet on any of these fights and you just got me to hit a dog of the day button. Wow. Look at that. Brady high stand dog of the day, huh? I do. I think he's going to win it, man. And at 22, uh, he's going to be somebody that the UFC fans can get really excited about and say that, you know what, the season was actually worth it. Co-main event time. Let's get it. Brian Battle. Pooh Bear. That's his actual nickname, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then Gilbert Urbina. I'm not even – I don't even fuck with that nickname. Who knows what that is? But anyways, Battle comes in. He's got a four-inch height advantage on paper here. Um, he earned his way to the finale. Urbina lost to Treshawn Gore and gets his opportunity off injury. Um, Brian Battle showed really good striking to me, good distance control, and not the best takedown defense. However, he has a really good getup game, and he's persistent, and he can fight the hands from his, you know, if he gives up his back. And while he's not, you know, great defensively, uh, he shows that he could work out of it and survive and really overcome adversity. So I really do think that Battle probably has the goods to win this fight. I'm just not going to lay chalk on a contender series guy. I really I'm, I'm like, sorry, I'm an Ultimate Fighter guy. I really like Brian Battle in this spot. Um, I was really impressed with the work that he did and uh, displayed throughout the entire show. I honestly was probably going to pick him over Treshawn Gore as well. Um, hmm. I think that this might be a... Uh, this might end up being a more difficult fight for him, for Battle, because... I don't Urbina had such a weird, weird outlook when uh when he was fighting Treshawn Gore, man. He like he's like, oh well, he has a family. Like he like had his it was really, really weird. Wait, mm-hmm. not Treshawn Gore. Who did who did he fight? No, it was Gore. Right? Urbina? The, yeah, the last episode. Urbina lost to Gore, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. So, right, yeah. So on that last episode, he's talking about how, how he really, it's, it was too much friendship stuff. They were, t- he's cooking them a meal before they fight. 
I listen, I'm not a fighter. I don't know these things. You know, I just think that it's really hard to turn on, turn off that switch. I think a lot of the times they're friends and they really do root for each other. And it's hard to go out there and snatch your dreams against, you know, and steal it from somebody else. And and one thing we did know about Sean is that that boy was hungry to keep winning. I mean, he didn't give a fuck about anyone or anything but winning the competition. Um, so I definitely really felt for him that he tore his ACL and won't be fighting. Um, but to get to the fight that we are talking about, I think Urbina will kind of change his head for this opportunity. I think he'll come in ready to rock. Um, I, I just really like what Battle has shown. He seems super well-rounded, great size for the division. Um, I Yeah, I, I do like Brian Battle here. I, uh, I don't know that he gets the finish per se, but he should win. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I, I actually totally agree with you. I, I like battle a lot. Battle by decision at plus 210. Hmm. Um, you know, fight to go the distance at minus 116. Hmm. Yeah, I like battle. I'll certainly be taking battle. I don't know that I'll be betting. I'm not, listen, I don't know that I'm betting anything super crazy on this, these fights. There's a lot of, a lot of interesting fights, a lot of weird spots. Um, I'm really excited for this card in general. I think it's actually a really, it's like a sleeper card. Um, but totally, man. Not, but not, hey, not, not not a lot of strong spots. You know, I think we found a on our final fight of the night, the main event of the evening. I think we're bringing some heat for you guys as far as uh, strong feelings here, and I Uh-oh. think it's a consensus play, huh? I normally we try not to talk about oh, it. I but... have no idea. I don't. I have no idea what your consensus is. Uh oh. All right. So here we go. We got Edson Barboza versus Giga Chikadze. This is this is a striker's delight, right? Can we agree on that? Oh yes. Now, as you guys can see here, we're gonna go through their stats real quick. Now that we're to the main event, just to like compare how sickeningly close almost all of these stats are. So for two guys that have had like pretty long UFC careers at this point, their average fight time is only nine seconds apart. There, uh, Barbosa is one inch shorter, but he is one inch more of reach, so that's negated. They're both orthodox, you know, but they switch up their stances, so you know, you'll see them throw kicks from any angle. And we talk about Chikadze as this up and comer, he's only two years younger than Barbosa. Um, you look at their striking stats now, if we go away from their landed per minute, obviously, there's some differences, but. They both are 44% accuracy. And then Barboza's 59% defense and Chicago's 60%. They're, they're so similar. And and really where Barboza stands out is he's, you know, slightly more proficient in the grappling, but I don't see either guy really initiating it here unless they get hurt. And, you know, maybe Barboza is the first one to think about that. But, man, are there any thoughts you have right off the top here before, uh, you know, Jeez, before I really start saying what my side is? Uh, nothing really. Listen, it's a very exciting matchup. I can't wait to watch it. I want to see these guys face off. want to see how they look. Um, Felt like Edson was maybe a little too hittable in his last couple fights, especially that Burgos fight. Um, You know, the split decision losses to Ige and Felder aren't great. You know, people argue both ways about that. Uh, listen, I'm on Barbosa just based on 
I think Giga is a little overrated and Barbosa is maybe being a little underrated. You know, you get your lucky Giga kick versus Cub Swanson. All right. We were kind of expecting that fight to be a little bit more of a war, you know, more interesting fight like this one's going to be. And then wh- what did he do before that? He knocked out Jamie Simmons. Cool. Like, that's what you're supposed to do. Um, and then before that, he was the guy with decisions over Omar Marias and Erwin Rivera and, and a split decision versus Jamal Emmers and Brandon Davis. And we were wondering who this, like, if he was really that good when his first finish was going to come. Um, what I will tell you is that while I lean Barbosa, I am not betting this fight like that. What I do think, though, and maybe I'm wrong. I mean, we say that all the time, right? <laughs> I I like the under four and a half here. I like the fight not to go the distance. I yes, don't know why? That's the consensus right there. That's the play. I I I love Edson Barbosa in this spot. I mean, he might end up being one of my bigger plays because we talked about all those statistics, and then you just went through the resumes of who they've fought on the Chikadze side. Let's go to Edson Barbosa real quick. Just like just, let's just run down the names, okay? Yeah, right. Now you go. It's the who's who? Yeah, you go down the early career, okay, maybe not. But then you got Donald Cerrone, Evan Dunham, Bobby Green, Michael Johnson, Paul Felder once, Tony Ferguson, Anthony Pettis, Gilbert Melendez, Benil Daryush, Khabib Nurmagomedov, Kevin Lee, Dan Hooker, Justin Gaethje, Paul Felder a second time, Dan Ige, Makwan Amirkani. All right, that's a little step down. Then you got Shane Burgos, who he's a hell of a striker, man. And uh, he's... He got knocked out by Barboza, which even fucking Josh Emmett couldn't fully knock out Shane Burgos. So uh, let's put it this way. The level of competition that Barboza has put up his statistics against is a much stiffer set than anything Chikadze has faced. And maybe he faced those guys on the kickboxing scene, whatever. But um, this is one of those fights where Barboza doesn't have to worry about the takedown threat. And you know what that means, that he's going to come out fucking firing. That's what Barboza does. That was the big problem versus Burgos is that he was still worried about the takedown. That will not be a problem here. Nope, nope. And, Barbosa uh, yeah. by KO or by sub, plus 230? Yeah, man. Give it to me. That's it. I mean, I I really don't think this fight goes a distance. You've seen Shikaze struggle in the third round multiple times. He has a big weight cut. Uh, you know, Barboza has a big weight cut as well, but we've seen this guy do it before. We've seen him go the distance and and hold it the entire time. Um, and when he doesn't have to worry about the takedowns and being defensive, he can really let her rip. So, you know, in the Amir Khani fight where he gets taken down three times, he only throws 32 strikes in a decision. And then in the Burgos fight, he lands 98 strikes in a three-round fight. That doesn't even make it the distance. So it really goes to show me that Chikadze is not, you know, he's not going to be the guy forcing the takedowns. Barbosa is not going to have to worry about that. He can, he can fire at will. And if anyone's going to initiate the offensive wrestling, it's going to be Barbosa. Yeah. So I don't think Chikadze has the power, you know? Uh, Unless it's that liver punch. I don't think so either. Yeah. I mean, so, and listen, Barbosa knows how to dish out punishment to the body. Just ask Dan Hooker. Oh yeah. So, it's not my play of the day per se, but um, it'll be, yeah, it's going to be a solid play on Barboza. And um, if you guys want to see where we end up on our official picks, because for our pod, we did start a bet MMA tips profile. So if you want to see our third party track picks, um, you know, listen, we're not professionals. We're not the guys that are saying that we're going to make you blah, blah, blah. And you have to pay for our picks. But like, if you want to know where we end up and what our best plays are, 
You can follow us over. It's Chronic Combat Conversations. You follow our link tree where you see the podcast or anything like that on our Twitter. Go check out what our final plays are. And you can see how we do every week after the fact. We're not going to waste your time breaking all of our plays down again right now because before the fights start on Saturday, go take a look. You'll see them right there. So uh, I hope you guys like this new format. You know, we did try doing something a little new here. Uh, we hopped on StreamYard. So now it gives us a little bit more, you know, screen sharing capabilities. Let us know in the comments, um, you know, what you're thinking, if there's something that you'd rather see going forward. And uh, yeah, Guru, why don't you take us away, man? Take you down to funky town. <laughs> um, <laughs> thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. Uh, please make sure you are following us on YouTube. Please subscribe to our channel, like and comment to our videos. You know, give us that support that we love and appreciate so much. Make sure you check our link tree for all our various links. Um, wherever you listen to podcasts, you should be able to find us, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Um, while you're listening, liking, and subscribing, make sure you give us five-star rating and some feedback. Please follow us on Twitter, at Chronic Combat, or on Instagram, at Chronic Combat Conversations. You can follow my awesome co-host, at TB Scouting MMA, on Instagram, Twitter, Verdict, and Tapology. And you can find me, at Guru Scouting MMA, on Instagram, Twitter, Verdict, and Tapology. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We will see you next week. For Brunson versus Till. Wow. What a fight. It was originally supposed to be in London and is now back at Vegas. America. America. Take care, everybody. <laughs>